So many owners open their shops with the dream of doing auto repair the right way, being an asset to their community, having free time with their families, and having the ability to create a financial legacy. In reality, so many find themselves working long days, are struggling to find and keep good staff, and can barely pay the bills. Since 2016, the fastest growing automotive repair coaching company, ShopFix Academy's sole purpose is to stop the average small business from destroying the average family. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com. Hey, Thomas here. Real quick before we start the episode, can you please help me with something? I promise it'll just take a moment. If this show has brought you value, would you please consider hitting pause and leaving a star rating and a written review on the podcast app you're using? This helps the show rank higher and impact more people in our industry. Thank you so much for considering this. All right, let's dive in. Everything that you think you know how to do, you start to question it. Everything that you did in the past, you feel like it was in vain. Like it just, I mean, everything you built, all the money you saved, all everything that you essentially worthless. This is Success Leaves Clues, an automotive industry podcast, and I'm your host, Thomas Hicks. Sometimes things at our shop take some pretty sharp turns, and sometimes those turns are into a ditch, and other times it is straight into a canyon. What do you do? Perhaps it's ego, but I think for many of us, the first instinct we have is to hide the pain, hide the fear, and try to figure it out on our own. But when we are in our own head and in pain, it's hard to think, it's hard to move, it's hard to do anything. Years ago, our guest Adam Prizer of MotorWorks in Minnesota found himself in that canyon. In this episode, Adam will share what happened how he got out, and how that foundation helped him build an incredible multi-location operation and a life of true impact. Stick around. This is a great episode. An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability, which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top-performing repair shops use for managing their online presence, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me effortlessly increases your car count with a strategic combination of killer websites, high-converting Google ads, traffic-driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call at 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. Adam, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks, Thomas. Adam, we've known each other for a long time and I'm really excited about what you're going to share. Uh, you're going to share some stuff that not a lot of people know and I think the power in that, though, is is what you've been through and what you're going to be able to share through it. Uh, it's going to be be really helpful for a lot of people. So, um, thank you for for making the time to be with us today on that. Glad to be here. Thanks. So, Adam, uh, for those that don't know you, who are you? Uh, well, my name is Adam Preiser. Um, grew up in Central Minnesota. Still live here. Uh, live about a mile away from where I actually grew up. So, just a small town kid. It's kind of interesting in Nashville. Like no one's from Nashville. There's very few natives, but uh, you're you stuck around, man. That's cool. Yeah. 
So uh, you're building an empire. I mean, I, I don't even know how many stores you're up to now. What are you, what are you up to? We're at seven currently. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's not in a lot of time. Like how many, how many years did it take to get from, I, I think you had two or three for a while and then you just started going nuts. Yeah, we had, um, I started in 2004 in my first location, a second in 15, um, a third in 18. And then we kind of just ran with that for a while. Um, the last year, essentially just a little over 12 months, we've added four locations. Um, so we've doubled in about 12 months. Uh, what kind of sales are you going to close out for? Uh, this is year 2022. We're about to end the year. Uh, we, sh- we should do just a little over $10 million in sales this year. Um, that's on a six, uh, six and a partial year for the seventh store. Um, so not too bad. How many employees does it take to have seven stores for you? Uh, currently are about 55 employees company wide. Um, and it's growing consistently. So it won't stay there. It'll keep going up. Did you guys do a Christmas party this year? We did. We had uh, about 80 people there. It was a large group of employees to talk to for the first time. And it's all your people. So it was good to get good, good to meet everybody and their spouses. And um, yeah, it was great. Yeah. I imagine, you know, with how quickly you've added stores, you know, seeing the stark difference in, you know, last year's party to this year's party. Uh, that must've been pretty exciting to be a part of that. Yeah. It was about twice as many people. So it was, yeah, it was good. That's good, man. So how did you get into owning a shop? Tell us about that. Uh, I went to school for automotive, uh, kind of by chance. I had a friend that was, um, going to that program and he said, Hey, you should, you know, come do this. You'd be good at it. Uh, and I was going to technical college for a different program and decided that, yeah, I'd give it a shot. So I went and got my degree in um, automotive repair. And about a year out of school, I bought the shop that I was working at. Um, so I was 22 years old when I closed on that one. That was uh, May 1st of 2004. 22, your first shop, man. Yeah. That's ambitious. Uh, I didn't realize it was ambitious at the time. I just thought it was a good idea. And uh, it wasn't a good idea at first. <laughs> It, what what it was it out. like in the beginning? Um, I had a lot of chaos. Uh, the store that I purchased was open seven days a week. Um, so I was working seven days a week. Um, and it was a small town shop. So um, I did that for about 140 some days um, where I didn't take a day off and decided that wasn't the best way to live life. So then we went down to six days a week. So we were open uh, Monday through Saturday, close Sundays. Uh, and it took me a little while yet, about another, I think it was about a year and a half after that. So about two years after I bought it before I closed, I was only open Monday through Friday. Um, and that's about all I could, could do because I was kind of running everything. Um, you know, I was the person answering the phones. I was still fixing cars. Um, I did have a few employees. I think I had four people on payroll at the time. Um, but I mean, sales weren't amazing. Um, we were breaking even, uh, sometimes we made a little bit of money, but it really wasn't a great, great business for the first couple of years. So you struggled for a couple of years. Did you just kind of start to figure things out or, or how did you start to move forward? Um, well, I knew I didn't know a lot of stuff. Like I, I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't have any formal training in that. 
I didn't have any accounting experience. Um, and I just knew I had to learn something. So there was a company um, based out of California that did coaching that I signed up for. Um, that was my first, uh, I guess, like official training, to, like try to run a business. Um, went out to that. Um, again, it gave you a coach and you got like a meeting, you know, every six months or something like that. I think that first year. Um, and I, I'm not going to say I didn't learn a lot. I did. I got a lot of the basics from that where I didn't know any of the basics. So I didn't know what, how to track gross profit. I didn't know what my gross profit should be. I didn't know how to, um, kind of be market competitive on labor rate, um, you know, and to figure that out. Uh, so they helped me with a lot of the basics to get kind of things in, in place. And it, I mean, the coaching paid for itself. Like that was, that was great. It got me up and running. Um, now I did go a little too far with that. And I think I went to the higher side of um, the areas pricing that I was in and that, you know, kind of set me back a little bit, um, you know, cause I does, I wasn't providing the level of service that I was asking for in price. Um, so it, it took a while to kind of like get everything dialed in to, you know, I'm going to charge a specific amount. I need to back it up with the service that matches. So if you want to be on the high end of things, you got to be, high-end service facility. Yeah, I've seen that a ton where, you know, kind of the blanket, you know, answer is raise your prices. And yeah, it, it doesn't work in every market. You, you can absolutely price yourself out of business. It works great for three months and then people figure yeah. it out. Yeah, especially in a small town where it gets out. Yep. It's not good. So how long, so you joined that coaching company. How Was there a point when you're like, oh, okay, I, I'm, I'm not struggling anymore. I have some stability. Like how, how did, what did that look like for you? Uh, well, it really took several years to get everything kind of dialed in. It didn't just happen overnight and there was ups and downs along the way. Um, you know, we had the, the 2008, nine kind of debacle where, um, you know, people got a lot tighter with their money. I mean, it was good for automotive, um, in one way, bad in another, cause they had cash for clunkers. Uh, which took some of the cars off the road, but the people that did keep their cars. We're fixing them. Um, that was kind of a mute point for us as a business. Um, we did have some pushback, obviously, on repairs because people were acting like it was the end of the world. Uh, and we didn't advertise heavily during that period. We started advertising heavily towards the middle of 09 into, into 10. Um, that's where we really started trying to grow the business harder and really put some revenue into that. Uh, bucket um so i mean we really struggled until we hit about 2010 um with ups and downs and it was about 2010 we started to make some money uh get some stability in our business and even took a few years after that to really kind of dial it in uh it was about 13 14 when i started to feel comfortable with with everything what did the store stabilized look like what kind of sales did you have were you still working a role in the business? Uh, yeah. Um, the, the most stable that it was, there was four people in the building. Um, and it was stable from a, um, a profitability standpoint and a revenue standpoint. So it was myself, my business partner, Jason, uh, a writer on the counter up front with Jason, and then a tech in the shop with me. Um, and we were doing a million dollars a year in sales with four people. Um, it was, it was profitable for us. Um, we were working, 
you know, bell to bell. But um, it was a good a good period to get some cash saved up finally um, and not feel like we were, you know, backs against the wall, except for the time crunch. Um, and then we uh, started adding people in 14 uh, so that we could go to a second location. Uh, we traded a little bit of profit there for a little bit of freedom so we could start looking at seconds and make sure that our store could run without us there. And we thought we did a good job and not bad, but you know, could, looking back, we could have done better. When did you, I know you you have multiple stores, obviously. When did you open store two? 2015, uh, spring of 15, we opened uh, store two. Um, and we actually leased that property uh, with several options on it. Um, I wish I would have known more about leases back then because that's really what screwed things up. The worst for us was not having um, some of the information or details removed from that lease. Um, there was an eminent domain clause in there that if more than 20% of the property that I was leasing was disturbed from eminent domain taking, uh, the lease could be voided. And I didn't understand that at the time. Uh, we knew that there was going to be some road construction done in front of a building uh, when we moved into it, but it was supposed to be three years out. Uh, it ended up getting moved up to 12 months from when we moved in. And uh, the business that we had built up in the first year kind of fizzled out because people couldn't get to us. They, they blocked the road off in front of us. They started putting a road in behind us, and they took a large portion of the property to put that road in. Um, the landlord... Um, essentially said your lease is voided um you know we're gonna have to figure something out and then kind of cut off communication with me and said hey you know at some point you know we're gonna sell this property you're gonna have to get out of here and really didn't want to talk to me wow um his attorney had um i believe his attorney was trying to work a deal with another uh, party to sell a property to them um which i don't know if he had you know a kickback for that or not but never even offered to sell me the property and i was stressing out because i was like you know this we got all this money in starting this business we've got a loss now of you know a couple hundred thousand dollars to get into this uh with the loss of revenue and just keeping everything going um and it was um spring of 16 uh, i was getting married and on our our drive up for our honeymoon the day after our wedding essentially um, I finally got a hold of the landlord and he told me, Hey, you know, we, first of all, I never thought you could even afford to buy the property from us. We never even offered it to you. And he goes, my attorney just said to stop talking to you because he had a deal done already. Um, and I said, I would just really appreciate to buy it. I'm already in that building. I have an investment in the community to, you know, keep my business going there. Um, I don't have another place to go, you know, please work with me. And he goes, well, the deal I have right now is, $850,000 non-negotiable take it or leave it um, but if you'll do the deal and sign a purchase agreement next week um, I'll send one over for you and I just said yes I'll take it like that was just I had no idea what the property was going to cost uh, and it was that was that was it so I just bought a property um, just to stay in business yeah and we we figured it out we uh we were we were obviously uh, had no savings. We didn't have a down payment. I ended up uh, my first store. I had actually owned the property on that. Um, I I refinanced that to get a down payment for the second property, um, and the bank was 
good to work with. They believe that we can turn it around uh, with our past history, their first location. Um, so that'll buy the second property uh, by pulling equity out of the first. Um, and then it was time to get working. I want to I want to take a step back uh, and and talk through before you stepped into store two. What was the thought process of a deciding you wanted to go multi location, and then b what did the planning look like? Because I I know that you know that wasn't something you just dove into frivolously. Like I know there was a lot of planning. So walk us through that. Uh, our first location. Um... It's on like a across the freeway from like the major town that's in our area. So it was in a small town with 3,500 people. Uh, and there's just, there was a point where like we couldn't get it past a million dollars in sales in that environment. Um, we had just, there's a lot of competition. There was some other small town shops in the area. We just, we were just beating our head against the wall uh, trying to get past that. Um, so we decided the way to grow revenue, we'd have to get a second location to really start to grow our business past that million dollar mark. And we wanted to go to a better location, more opportunity and less competition. So that's why we chose where our second location was. Um, there really was no competition to speak of. There was one, one other store that was close to us. Um, but everybody in that community, like there, there wasn't, um, you know, several shops there in that, in that town, there was two. Uh, we were going to be the third essentially. So that gave us a lot more room to run. What did you do to prepare for store number two? Uh, we tried to get store one completely stable by itself with employees so that Jason and myself could go over to store two to start that. Um, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, um, came over and helped us open that store. So she helped. You know, when we got the building, she helped paint walls. She helped, you know, set up computers. Um, and she started uh, writing service, uh, which was all new to her. She had never worked in the automotive industry. Um, and that was very, uh, it was a big learning curve for all of us. Uh, anybody that knows me well, uh, I'm not always the easiest person to work with. I really want uh, good things to happen and the customer to get a great experience. Uh, so when people made mistakes, including my wife, uh, I was hard on her. Uh, I, I'm not going to try to hide it. She's cried multiple times because I was so blunt about some stuff. Um, but ultimately like it, it all worked out and uh, we, we became better for it. Like we understood each other a lot more um, and a lot of apologies. Um, you had to really get, get humble and realize that, you know, you're not the best at everything either. Um, give some people some grace. Yeah. It, it's very clear to me that through the difficulty of that season, uh, you really grew through it, uh, which says a lot about you. Uh, there's definitely people that don't have that experience and they, they go through very difficult situations and it breaks them. Uh, so, so going through, you know, we, we open store two and immediately we're, we're in, in struggle. Um, you know, construction started sales, you know, weren't happening the way you needed to. How did store one, how did store one, 
uh, fare through that situation? We actually went down about 20% in sales in store one uh, because we weren't paying attention to it um, as well as we should have. So that store went from profitable to essentially breaking even uh, in six months. Um, so that was a rough uh, situation to be in. Uh, so what ended up happening is Jason ended up going back to store one, um, my business partner, and he started helping that store uh, get back on its feet. Um, well, my wife and I decided we probably shouldn't work together, uh, you know, long term. So we figured out a way to, to get out of that. And she could do something that she really enjoyed, not writing service. And uh, I pulled one of our techs out of store one so that I was running the front counter and helping out in the shop. And then we put uh, Travis as a technician into our second location. And we just ran it by ourselves for a while until we found another young technician that came in and started helping with some small stuff. Um, and we uh, tried teaching him as much as we possibly could to grow him. Um, but we weren't like this amazing company to come work for. So finding help was difficult too. Um, you know, if you wanted to get an A-level guy to come work for you and your building looks like crap because there's construction all around it, uh, and you're getting <laughs> four cars a day, uh, it, it, it's rough to convince somebody to come work for you. So uh, we made do with what we had um, and got through that mess, ended up buying the building. Uh, spring of 17. Um, and then we just put a lot of hard work into it through 16, 17 um, to get it profitable. Um, yeah, we just kept running. What was that season of struggle like emotionally for you? Uh, it's very, very humbling. Um, everything that you think you know how to do, you start to question it. Um, Everything that you did in the past, you feel like it was in vain. Like it just, I mean, everything you built, all the money you saved, all, you know, everything that you had gone through to kind of make the company that you had was essentially worthless. Cause even if you wanted to sell everything, like it wasn't even sellable anymore. Like it was just everything you had done for 10 plus years was garbage. Um, you know, and the only way like I could have sold the properties and had enough just to get out of the business. Like and just quit, um, which ran through my mind several times, and I, I wrestled with that. Do I just get out of this industry and go do something else? Um, I always like playing in the dirt, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go be an excavator. I'll just drive a dozer, an excavator, and um, it'll be it'll be easy to do that in comparison to this. But I I didn't. I had some good counsel. Um, talked to Aaron a bit through that and i know aaron since 2005 so we'd always kind of kept in touch and uh, aaron stokes aaron stokes um so we'd always bounce ideas off each other and just you know encourage each other to do well and uh, he said to me um you know you spent 10 years learning how to run a, a good business and you learn to learn this industry you know what's what to do now uh, why would you just give up all that all that learning and all that education that you essentially paid for and all these losses um, and go start over in another industry, you know, nothing about. And uh, I had to agree with him. Like he had a point. So I wrestled with that for a while and decided, you know what, I'm going to really push forward and dedicate myself to getting this going better. Um, and that's 
what I did. I, I poured myself back into my business and picked myself up by the bootstraps. And um, there, were, I had some good people around me that even when I was like unsure of everything, they were steady in my life. Uh, so that gave me a lot of uh, hope that I always have somebody to, you know, pat me on the back and say, it's going to be okay when everything wasn't okay. Yeah. Who are some of those people in your life? Uh, my business partner, my wife are the most, uh, two most important people in my, in my, that part of my life. Um, not in that order, but, um, <laughs> um, I mean, at that time I had known Jason, um, for a long time and I had known my wife for about three years. Um, yeah. she wasn't my wife yet, but shortly after she was, um, and she is the most important person in my life. But it's crazy because those relationships are what kind of got me through it and kept me sane. Um, I mean, you obviously have your friends and family and stuff like that, but they're not always good counsel. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. don't always have your best interest at heart. Um, so just knowing that you have a couple people that really have, um, you know, they're in the same boat you are. So they, they have a vested interest that you do well. That's um, it's kind of key sometimes. Did you find it difficult to ignore the voices that didn't have skin in the game? Uh, some days it, it got to you um, and you, you wanted to go on that path because it sounded easier. It just, it was the easy way out. Um, you know, just give up, get rid of everything. Just go do something else, go work for somebody else. Why do you want all those headaches? Um, you know, why do you want to make more work for yourself? Um, you know, it was, it was the easy way out. Like, it, um, but that's not what I wanted out of life, I guess. I never wanted to be just okay. I wanted something more. Um, and I knew that the only way to get that was probably through probably through some pain and hardship because if it was easy, everybody would do it. And it's not always easy. Yeah, yeah that is very true. So it sounds like, you know, from what you shared earlier, when you were younger, your ability to foster and maintain relationships was a little rocky. You know, you uh, said you were very blunt, uh, you know, really kind of uh, maybe a little bullheaded. So, you know, going into this season of being humbled, getting your butt handed to you, um, it sounds like that, that you did, you must have really learned how to be in relationship in a way that's meaningful. What was that process like for you? Um, well, after you have nothing, when you had something, you start to look at things a little bit different. Um, and you realize that one thing, like everything that, you, that I had, I got there with other people. It wasn't just, it wasn't just me. Like I might've been the guy in charge and responsible for everything, but I didn't fix every car myself. I didn't answer every phone call myself. I didn't do everything by myself. So I had to, Realized that if I wanted more out of life, I needed more people in my life to get there. Um, and I had to build those relationships. So there was a, you know, a trust there that I could trust, you know, what they were going to do and what I was going to do for them and um, make sure that you fulfill your promises. Um, it, it was a big learning curve to realize that, you know, it wasn't just a one way street. You know, they weren't there to just collect a paycheck. They wanted, you know, relationship too um and to feel like they were you know the culture was good in the, in the business um you know and that 
a culture became better after I stopped trying to just tell everybody what to do, like sort of let people grow and do, you know, make some decisions. How did you figure out the behaviors and mindsets you needed to change to be better at relationships? Um, you start to like watch successful people more. You start to see people that are, are doing better and listen to how they speak. Um, that was really probably one of the biggest things that I can attribute it to. Um, and you can feel it too. Like when you're doing better, people start to talk to you differently. Um, they're happier in your presence. Um, they look forward to seeing you in the morning. They say hi to you instead of just, you know, turn their head back at what they're doing and not saying anything. Um, so some of it's social cues. Um, but most of it was, you know, paying attention to people that were better than doing it better than you were and started to imitate some of that and practice it well. When you see someone that is where you were, uh, you know, they're clearly struggling to maintain, uh, you know, connection with family and, and employees and, uh, you know, just are, are in that rough spot. Uh, what do you think is, is the first thing that they need to do to be able to get where you were, you know, without having to go through, I mean, you, you know, you went through a very humbling experience. That's not, you know, everyone's story. So where would, where would someone start? I don't know. I think, I think one of the best things that I've probably changed about the way I look at people is I start to appreciate them more just for them, not for everything that they can do. Cause um, I've even worked with several people that I, I've realized that, you know, they're really good people and they weren't doing a great job in our organization. And um, it wasn't just the job. They were just in the wrong seat in the bus. I was just given the wrong tasks to do. And we had to, you know, figure that out. Like how do we navigate that? Because when you move somebody from position to position, um, sometimes it seems like a demotion uh, from the outside looking in or even from that, their point of view. Um, but really what you're doing is trying to make everybody successful. Um, and if they're good people and you have the spot to move them, like you should actively try is just appreciating the person for who they are and what they can do. Um, I think that was a big deal for me realizing that it just wasn't a, well, you suck at your job. You need to leave. Um, maybe doing some soul search and be like, did I give you the right position? When I hired you. Did you know that some web design companies use the same wording across all their client sites? Unfortunately, this common practice is noted by Google as plagiarism, which will cause your site to be ranked lower. That's why it's critical that whoever makes your shop's website knows better. That's why so many top shops trust leads near me to create and manage their shop's websites. As Google Certified Partners, they know how to make a top-ranking website from an insider's perspective. Get a free site analysis by visiting leadsnearme.com or calling 888-953-2379. Leads Near Me. Effortlessly increase car count. Do you feel like this journey of uh, learning to, to be um, more attuned to people and, and, and learning how to uh, work with people better. Has that improved your ability to interview? Yeah, it has. Um, and I, I guess the 
the interviews got easier just because you got more used to talking to people. My social skills got better. So I wasn't, I wasn't a very extroverted person. I'm still not. Uh, it's a, it's a difficult thing for me to do sometimes. Um, I still get nervous in certain social situations where I don't feel comfortable. Um, and some people naturally feel comfortable in that, that, that environment. Um, so being able to become better at small talk, being able to become better at just communicating with people, um, it made the interviewing process better because you weren't so awkward. Uh, you know, I mean, we've all probably had an awkward interview where you're asking questions and they're very mechanical and just nothing flowed about it. You're just trying to read off a script. Like, can you do this? Can you do that? Um, you know, what was your last job? Um, and it's just not a good feeling for you or for them. Like, you know, they're walking into your, you kind of have to sell them on why they have to work for you too, uh, or work in your organization. Like you got to be somebody they want to be around, um, for it to be a successful hire. Uh, if you, if you're just a terrible uh, person at interacting with somebody else and they still come to work for you, um, I would question that because why are they so desperate to work for the guy that came and talk? Uh, maybe you have an amazing reputation, but I didn't at the time. So some of my hires back then weren't the best. Did you lose a lot of people? Was it, was your churn high back then? Uh, it actually wasn't that high because we can hire anybody to begin with. So the people we did hire, we just, we, just tried, we tried to keep them uh, as long as yeah. we could, even if they weren't the right fit. Um, and we just made it work the best we could. Um, as, as we're growing, we do have some, some turnover uh, where we're hiring, we're giving some people opportunities, um, you know, and some people were given opportunities that were possibly over their head a little bit and it just ends up not working out. Um, we're trying to get better at it and just have a more um, accountable program for people so they understand roles and responsibilities better, get better training. Um, and that's just a, it's a continued um, improvement. Like it's not like one day it's good. It's every Every time you hire somebody, you learn a little bit more and you're getting better at it. The the new stores that, that you've brought online, were they acquisitions of existing businesses or were they ground up? Uh, two of them were running uh, facilities. Uh, so they were, in that, oh, excuse me, um, they were running uh, operation. And then two were closed uh, facilities that we purchased and then reopened. Uh, all four of the recent ones were repair shops. Uh, our second was not a repair shop. That was a, a used car dealer. Uh, so we converted that building from used cars to repair. And uh, then we did a, a third one was auto repair, but it was uh, two gentlemen that were in their early 70s. Um, and they did not have any equipment, uh, so to speak. They used jack stands their entire lives, jacks and jack stands. Um, they never had a hoist in the building. They didn't have any modern equipment at all. Um, so that was a complete refurbish. So we bought that, that building and then had to, uh, gut it and, uh, remodel. It took us about 10 months to get it open hmm. from when we purchased it. Uh, so that was kind of a startup also. I'm curious, uh, the two stores that were operational when you took them over, uh, did you keep all the employees or, or a majority of them? We did. Um, initially, we kept everybody that was on staff in both of those, uh, minus the, the owners that we bought out. 
uh, that we're working in the business. Um, the the latest one that we uh, picked up, we've kept everybody this entire time. Um, and the other one, uh, we've probably had about half turnover. Um, but some of that was a couple of younger guys that were uh, kind of GS, you know, entry level techs that just yeah. were young, um, uh, may not have been the most responsible people to begin with. Um, and then we've had a couple that just didn't like some of the changes we've had uh, as a company because we went to a lot more structured environment um, yeah. and showing up on time became a lot more important, et cetera. With those stores you took over, you know, you kept the majority of the staff. Was it a major culture shock for them? Uh, I mean, I imagine compared to what you've developed, which is a really great culture, uh, you know, everyone's working well together. You've got things dialed in. What was it like going into a shop that, that I'm assuming had a very different culture? Yeah, I would say it's 50, 50, 50% of the people loved the structure that came in and that the opportunity to have a little bit more uh, consistency in their life. Um, and then 50% uh, didn't like it because they liked the goosey goosey, like I'm going to, call in and be 10 minutes late today and I need to leave three hours early tomorrow. And, um, you know, I can maybe get some cash out of this deal over here. And, um, just like they like the, the randomness of it all. Um, and that just didn't work with us. We're, you know, we're trying to make sure that you're getting compensated so well as an employee that you don't need to have a second job. You don't need to be doing side jobs. Um, you know, why would you want to, you know, go home and have to fix a car um, when you just did that all day long? Um, you know, any other profession, you don't see uh, those people, you know, going home and then doing another job at home just to make some extra money. Like we want you to be successful in your career. It's a, it's a huge mind mindset shift, you know, from this being something I just do to, you know, this is my career. This is what I'm passionate about. And it seems like the employees that, that really have that stance are certainly more successful and becomes a win-win for everybody. And it's great. And it's great working with people like that, you know, cause they really, they care about the place as much as you do because you, you both got to live in that building essentially. Adam, you have accomplished some amazing things. You have gone through a transformation that a lot of people don't achieve and and really have built something wonderful and created a very uh, impactful life what's next for you um well this this group of stores i'd like to continue to grow it i'd like to see my company get much better and be able to provide better opportunities for the people that are currently in it and anybody that wants to become part of it um my goal and my my focus every day is how do I make it better for everybody else in the company? And in turn that they make it better for me. They, they always help me uh, get my stuff done because they, they have more opportunity. Yeah. Um, so if I can, if I can do my part and that's being a good steward with all that I've been given, um, hopefully that'll take care of me in the long run. It's definitely been my observation that that mindset ends up working out very well for everyone. 
Seems to. Last question. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? I'd have to say I'd probably be just a Ford pickup. Just something basic and shows up every day. Um, always works. And uh, it's fun to drive. I think that suits you well, man. I, I That definitely suits you well from from knowing you. Adam, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing uh, some very intimate details of your story. And uh, I'm grateful for your time. This has been a wonderful interview. That was my interview with Adam Chrysler. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope this episode brought you value. I want to say a special thanks to this show's sponsors, Leads Near Me and ShopFix Academy. We couldn't do the show without you. Thanks so much, folks. Have a great week. No two shops are the same. That's why cookie cutter advice and coaching does not work. In order for your shop to get to the next level, you must have an action plan designed around your shop's unique needs. You'll also need accountability and encouragement along the way. Let ShopFix Academy help you create your best shop. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com.